Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by Cars.com. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Welcome, everyone, to our MotorWeek podcast number 19. I am John Davis. I'm glad to have you with us. And I'm joined around our, um, I guess, a triangular table here in Studio C by Road Test producer Brian Robinson. That's me. And our writer, Shamit Choksi. And that's me. And our associate producer, Ben Davis. Hello again. And coming up, we're going to have our lightning round as we do every podcast. And also, we'll look into our MotorWeek mailbag. But first, we're going to talk drop tops. It's summer. It's the perfect time for convertibles. I can't think of a better time of the year to start dreaming about convertibles, even if we don't uh, want to own one year-round. But that's uh, the lucky part for us. We do get to drive them when the weather's warm. Mini Cooper Convertible. This is the second generation of the new Mini Cooper, long-awaited, just in our shop. Brian Robinson, what was yes, the sir. verdict? But that uh, the Mini Cooper convertible, along with the MX-5 Miata, which I think we're going to talk about in a little bit, two of the most fun cars out there. Put the top down, a nice sunny day, go find a curvy road. It's hard to keep the smile off your face. Anybody? Else? We all drove it. Yeah. Now you've all driven the first generation Mini. We've now driven the second generation of the new Mini. Any impressions about how the car has changed? This was the first time around that I, the first automatic that I ever drove, actually. Well, this was a real automatic. I mean, anybody that has, I have an old, I should say old, a 2002 uh, Mini Cooper, and it's an automatic, and that was a CVT, and it's pretty awful. Uh, this is a real geared automatic, and it's hugely better. Oh, I agree. It was, uh, it was better than I thought it would be, for sure. The top mechanism worked pretty cool. Yeah, it's got like a two-stage. You can make it like a sunroof or go all the way down. No boot or anything at the fore. It kind of just lays yeah. up on top, which some people complain about the visibility when it's back there because it does kind of block your rear view. Mm -hmm. All you see is the top laying back there. But, uh, you know, I, I think it worked pretty well. Now, you're giving up, of course, trunk space, as you do on every convertible. Mm -hmm. What do you think about the, the way the hatch works? I, I, I don't think you were giving up a whole lot in the way of trunk space. The rear seat room obviously really compromised mm -hmm. from the top there, but it did still have a full pass-through. The rear seat backs folded down, so uh, more practical than a lot of other convertibles out there. Very successful conversion. Okay. The uh, the one thing I noticed, uh, the interior, I'm not, I haven't been as big a fan of this newer generation Mini because they took the, the, the very straightforward Mini interior and tried to flash it up a little bit too much. It almost seems a little cartoonish. Yeah, the Speedo is enormous in the yeah. middle of the dash. It's yeah, it's like, you know, you had a good thing going. It's too bad they felt like they had to overinflate it, I guess is the best word. It's interesting that you would say that because I would have asked you, you being the Mini owner and Mini enthusiast that you are, uh, you're you it didn't work for you the first generation the 2002 i liked i thought they just hit it dead on right. this one i think they tried to be a little cartoonish and i look at what's coming you know we, we have this mini uh, cooper um, small suv coming and it looks terrible so right. far you know the right. pictures we've seen of it looks kind of uh again a little too cartoonish like a like, caricature of itself yeah like yeah. a caricature of itself right. so i'm concerned they're getting away from that but we're getting off the subject the convertible was really really sweet mm -hmm. yeah it's not about straight line performance uh you know they don't have high horsepower numbers but because uh, we had just the regular the non-s right. right and but it's just about finding some good weather and some good roads and great head turn yeah that yeah. s has got to be a heck of a lot of fun though but it I is know. a stiff ride i know a lot of people have 
even the regular Cooper's kind of a stiff ride. Yeah. Ours, step had, up to the S. ours had the sport package on it, and I have to tell you, I thought even it was a little stiffer. I would, if I was buying it, I would not buy the sport package. Huh. I mean, not if I want if I want just a cruiser, something right. to basically drive around, and enjoy. I'd go with the standard suspension, the standard tires. Your insurance rates would be a lot lower as well. Yeah. <laughs> and you mentioned Brian, yes. the other uh, uh, small drop top that we're going to talk about today, and that is the Mazda MX-5. Used to be called, and we still all call it the Miata. And Shamit, you spent a lot of time in the last uh, MX-5 that was here. Yeah. What do you think? Is it better than ever? The same as ever? What? I mean, it's still just super fun. I mean, in terms of power, it only has one horsepower more, but it really didn't need any more. You know, it's it's just uh, like Brian was saying, a car you just drop the top and you go on a sunny day. Um, it, you know, the, it has had a mild facelift, slight changes uh, aesthetically. But why mess with something that, that works so well? I think people that have this car or fans of this car just keep coming back to it personally I, it's a little small for me i'm 511 i think all of us are right in that range I, I find it to be a little small for me but i have a friend who's 6'2 who has one who uh, will probably drive them as long as they make them you know you can get them with a power hard top or you can just get the regular cloth top and i have to say i still just like the the cloth top because you can fold it up or down in about three seconds i think there's a little more room in with the cloth top too yeah, yeah. yeah but i was amazed at how well the hard top is designed i mean it's still got a full trunk right yeah now. it's, yeah. it's very yeah. impressive very impressive mechanism compared to some we've seen and a very smooth operating it's hard to find any fault with a miata and it's one of those cars that if you've bought one 10 years ago chances are you've had almost no problems with it uh when i sold uh, mine uh, it was what 11 years old and uh, it didn't have a lot of miles on it, but it ran as good as it did the day it knew. And, you know, it, they just keep soldiering on forever. Yeah, it's a great, you know, weekend car. You know, to take on a trip. My wife and I do a lot of motorcycle touring. We're always like, well, what, you know, we could never find a car to, that would give us the same kind of experience. But we had a uh, Miata when we had it here. We took it over the weekend on a trip. And uh, it was just as great. You know, you get top down, went in your hair. Tunes cranked is wonderful, wonderful weekend. And didn't cost a lot of money. Yeah. So there's two reasonably affordable convertibles for folks to uh, go out and enjoy summer with, the Mini Cooper convertible and the Mazda MX-5 Miata. Yep. Okay, let's move on now to our lightning round. And here's a question that I think probably more energy has been expensed without a real answer, and we're going to do some more. There's a lot of talk about alternative fuels, but which one do we think will be the dominant fuel, let's say, 20 years from now? Let's go out to, uh, you know, about 2029. What do you think we're going to be putting in the tanks of our vehicles or anything? Uh, I can't speak for we. I can just speak for myself. But I, I would say we're still going to be on gas. I mean, Why? I just I don't know. We keep hearing about hydrogen fuel cells, and it's just, you know, five more years, five more years. And, you know, I don't know. I imagine it'll be a little more practical, but, I mean, our whole infrastructure is just dominated and revolves around gas. I just don't – it's going to take a lot longer than the next 20 years to change that. What about, you know, diesel or – I mean, we already have E85. Of course, it's not as widespread, but diesel, E85, even the natural gas, do they hold any promise? I think we're going to make our shift from fuel, fossil fuels and starting in the next 10 years. I think 20 years out, it's very probable that hydrogen fuels uh, – you know, once we get this infrastructure thing worked out, I know it's a huge thing. It's enormous, but they're going to figure it out. It's just going to take some time. Uh, I, I'm putting my – my chips on hydrogen. Ben, any thoughts? I am. A, I'm thinking biodiesel. Hmm. I think 20 years from now, cool. 
everybody's going to switch over, everybody's going to offer a diesel engine, and maybe even 20 years from now, that would be the only engine you can get. And, it's uh, certainly an easy way. Diesels give you an automatic 30% improvement in fuel economy almost. And there's been leaps and bounds in the, um, in the biofuel industry lately, I just think. I, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring to one uh, fuel that I used to think a lot of, then I felt it fell out of flavor, favor, and now it's back, and that's natural gas. And the reason I say that is the United States has 600-plus years of natural gas you know, underneath the earth. They figured out now how to get it out of the earth uh, more cost-effectively than they could. Uh, there's no reason every internal combustion engine right now, you know, design can't be easily converted to natural gas. It's not a big deal. Uh, it does have some disadvantages as far as range. It has some other advantages. In fact, you might be able to fuel it up at home using a home fueling system, which might also be the way we get hydrogen, hydrogen for hydrogen fuel sure. vehicles, changing from a natural gas to hydrogen. Whoa. So um, that's very interesting. We had, a, we had a good round robin, and everybody's a little different opinion, and um, one of us is probably going to be right probably, about 20 years from now. Not, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling we may all be partially right. Pedal power. Or partially wrong. Or partially wrong. <laughs> Think positive, Shamit. Oh, yes, okay. okay, now let's go to our Motor Week mailbag. And this one comes from Jason. Uh, Jason doesn't have an address, so I don't know where Jason's from. Jason's out there in the, in the Internet land. Here we go. He says, typically, what is the best time of a year to buy a new vehicle and to trade one in? Uh, he's looking to get top dollar for his used car and at the same time save significantly on a new one. And Mike responds to his heart. We all <laughs> figured out, Jason. You let us know. Uh, <laughs> traditionally, the time, best time was always the fall, but that's when all the new cars came out. And that really hasn't been true for decades. So now it's more like the end of the month. Definitely the end of the month. End of the month. Any time of, of year. But and and ex somebody explain why that's true. Why is the end of the month a big deal it's time? A, I mean, basically based on the quota system. They, right. they got quotas to meet. And, you know, if they've got to sell 20 cars a month and they've only sold 14 and it's the last week of the month, they're, they're going to start giving them away. do some deal. Yeah, right? they will. And the car companies also, uh, as well as the dealerships, offer salesmen incentives when they reach their quotas. It can be, you know, a hat. It can be a trip to Hawaii. It can be uh, lots of things. Sales managers get the incentives if all their salesmen meet their quotas. There well. you go. So there's a lot of reasons at the dealership for them to make that deal on you know the last weekend of the month and the last few weeks of the month. Um, as far as uh, trading in a vehicle, you know, that can be somewhat seasonally dependent. If you've got an SUV that's in good shape or any kind of four-wheel drive, you're apt to get a better price in the winter than you might in the summer. Uh, but on the other hand, I try and tell people that unless you don't want to bother with the hassle, uh, you know, doing, taking a car and trading it in for a new car is, is the most convenient thing, but it's not what's going to get you the best price. Well, sometimes they'll give you maybe a little better deal if, if they've got getting a car from you, but certainly not the best that you could get. Sure, well, they're going to give you wholesale. Right. So if you want a little bit more, you've got to probably either sell it yourself, which a lot of people don't want to do. Or, or if it's really nice shape, you can go onto one of the Internet sites, I suppose, like cars.com or eBay or so forth. Or donate it. Or donate if it's an older vehicle. Right. If you Let's go around the table. If you guys had a, a, you know, a five-year-old used car and you were getting ready to buy a new car, what would you do with it? Shamit? Uh, I would probably, and I know it's hard to sell a car these days, but I would probably try and give it a, a fair shake, maybe put it on the market for, uh, you know, through Craigslist or, or eBay Motors or something like that for about a month, see if it moves. Or Cars.com or, or one of the other big national yeah, sites, because the broader reach you get, sure, the better. And then, of course, if not, then go into a dealership toward the end of the month and, and use that 
the quota system to leverage myself to get the best, uh, the highest amount from. But know what your car is worth. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. KBB or any of those uh, yeah. online research places. Brian, what would you do with it if you had a car like that? Uh, I would try like Craigslist, maybe eBay, but I'd try to. I'd probably keep it more local and try for a couple of weeks. And, try to get rid of it and he's going stages yeah ben i would do the same thing but uh, the important thing is to word the ad incredibly and if you don't have any writing skills find somebody that does a friend family member you, you don't mean lie do you or, no, or no. fib and i don't even mean punch up the positives i just mean get people's attention yeah. word Learn it correctly <laughs> take if, good pictures if it has a sunroof mention it has a sunroof right. you know just Put all your positives out there really nicely. I it's think all about getting the person. We used out to there. call that gilding the lily, uh, not lying, but gilding the lily. But Brian, you had said something. Pictures, the more yeah. the merrier. Yeah, I hate when I, you know I look at used cars all the time. I hardly ever buy any, but I love to look and go on Craigslist and oh, this car sounds great. And you see just a picture that's like out of focus in the middle of a parking lot with other cars, <laughs> and it's like you know take it somewhere nice, take a good quality couple pictures. I think that goes a long way. Well, Jason, I hope that helps uh, answer your question. And remember, if you've got a question you'd like us to tackle on one of our MotorWeek podcasts, go to our website, www.motorweek.org, and you can submit your question. And if chosen, you'll receive a free designer-done MotorWeek T-shirt. I think you designed it, right, Brian? Uh, no. But I can autograph <laughs> it for uh, Oh, now we're really talking about something special. Thanks, gentlemen. It's been a great podcast. I want to give our thanks once again to the gentleman who makes sure that you can hear us. His name is Jim Bigwood, our audio engineer. Let's let's all give Jim a round of applause. Thank you, Jim. Our MotorWeek creator, Bob Mixter, who's not with us today. He's off uh, helping some other show get on the air. And our one and only producer, Michelle Parker. Let's give her a round of applause, too. This has been a good podcast. I'm John Davis. I hope you'll join us again on MotorWeek very soon, and we'll see and hear you here next time. You have been listening to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by Cars.com. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at motorweek.org. And watch MotorWeek, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.